Welcome to the Fearless Vampire Podcast. I'm on a heartfelt mission through the art of conversation and storytelling to inspire women to pursue their creative entrepreneurial journey with reckless abandon. I'm your host, Taylor, a six-figure photographer and business coach based in Colorado. I'm a right-brain mompreneur to two toddler boys, devoted deep conversation holder, and your personal alpaca cuddle liaison. My hope is that you leave our time together feeling empowered and energized to build your dream life. Learn more at fearlessvampire.com. We have Jenny Crate of Jenny Crate Photography. And Jenny is somebody that I actually met early on in my photography career. I think we started about the same time as creative entrepreneurs. And Jenny is a wedding photographer who specializes in connected weddings for devoted and courageous people. She is a part of the LGBTQ plus community and is super passionate about helping her couples feel seen, accepted, and celebrated on their wedding day. And to boot, in addition to photography, Jenny also runs LGBTQI Duke, which is an online business directory geared towards the queer community where engaged couples can search for wedding vendors who are really supportive and have already been vetted as being inclusive ally to the LGBTQ plus community. Thank you, Jenny, so much for being here with us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm very excited to talk to you. <laughs> That's totally normal. And we will start like we'll we'll get into our, our flow here really quickly. Um, on top of this wonderful rap sheet that that Jenny has, she is also a wife, a mom, she's a creative, she's got just she's just got a very wonderful presence about her. And I'm so excited for y'all to meet her. So Jenny, first, like straight out of the gate, I want to hear your story because you already have such a beautiful business with beautiful people and a beautiful family. I want to hear where things started. You just shared with me before the call started that you went to school for biology, which is so funny mm-hmm. because most photographers, I feel like, and creative entrepreneurs are not pursuing what they studied in college. So I want to hear yeah. what was life like for you before Jenny Crate Photography? Yeah, I think that's that's definitely prevalent in our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, photography was not something that a lot of people did when I was younger. It was a lot of film photography. Digital was very new. So the threshold for having a business in photography was just very high and very like out there, pie in the sky. I didn't know anybody that was a photographer. So I never really crossed my mind that something that I enjoyed taking snapshots of my life could ever really be a career. So I went and pursued all the other things that I was interested in. Um, I liked science. I liked history. I went academically in the ways that sounded really interesting and cool. I went to college for biology, minored in European history. And then I graduated and I was like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) I don't want to be, I don't want to sit in a lab. I don't want to do experiments. I thought maybe for a little while I'd want to be a doctor, but then I didn't know if I wanted to go to medical school. So I was like, I really don't know what to do with my degree. I had a great time getting it, but now what? Which I think a lot of people can probably relate to. Yeah. So I did the next best thing. I graduated and I got a job. It was like any job I can do that will keep me in my college town because my wife was two years, well, not my wife at the time, my girlfriend at the time was two years younger than me. And I wasn't ready to, to move away, do, do the long distance thing at the time. So I was like, how, what can I do to stay here? And I ended up randomly getting a job at a children's museum in the town where we went to college. And that kind of started my interest in museums, which has nothing to do with biology, I love maybe it. a little <laughs> bit to do with history. depending on the kind of museums. But I thought it was really fun. It was educational. It was like hands-on, which was really cool. And through that experience, I developed an interest in the exhibit design side of things. I thought it was really cool. The people who could take an idea, could take a, a thought, an interest, and then find a compelling way to tell that story, to make it interesting and engaging for their audience. And I, I saw people doing that. That was not my job. And I saw people doing that. And I was like, oh, I want to do that. That sounds fun. That's amazing. Because I feel like, at least for me, I don't even know that there are people that do that. I, I guess I just think that it happens organic. Like it just shows up one day. <laughs> but that's so amazing that there's people. Whose, yeah, there's people whose careers are dedicated to that. That's amazing. Yeah. And I, again, I, it was something I didn't, I don't think I even realized was a thing until I started working in a museum. And so then it was like, okay, 
now I have a new direction. I know something that I would want to get another degree for that I would need more schooling to do. So let's do that. I'm a very forward thinking planner. Yeah. (laughs) You love school, don't you? I do. I love school. I was ready for the next step. Um, and at this point, my, uh, my girlfriend was about to graduate, was also looking at graduate school. So it was like good timing for us to, to do something different, to move to a new place, to both pursue something that we were interested in. Where did you all go to school? Where's your, your alma mater? So we went to undergrad at Randolph-Macon Women's College in Lynchburg, Virginia, Ooh. which is central Virginia. Yeah. Um, and then we went to graduate school in the DC area. I went to awesome. George Washington. Uh, my wife went to George Mason for social work. So we got to do the DC experience for a couple of years, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and there's tons of cultural institutions. There's great museums. There's just a lot of fun stuff for young professionals to do. It's a very young professional city. It was just really, it was a good time for us, aside from being exhausted from going to school and working yeah. and like, doing all those things at the <laughs> totally same time. Fair. <laughs> we really enjoyed it. So I graduated with my master's in museum studies in 2011. And then it was like, okay, find a job, find a job in the museum field. And unfortunately, you know, we were coming off of the recession from 2008. So the job market was not great. Part of the benefit of going to graduate school is you had, you could put off finding a real job. Right, right. Yeah. The economy. <laughs> and so basically what I could find were part-time gigs or unpaid internships. Um, nothing that I could find like really let me do what I was hoping to do with my degree. And I wanted to do the exhibit design, the ex- exhibit development, but those jobs were few and far between. And what I found pretty quickly is that people in the museum field, they're like lifers. They stay a really long right. time. So there's not a lot of turnover for the positions that I was doing. Which is so, such a bummer that you go to graduate, you get a master's degree in something so specific. And I feel yeah. like our our generation is very guilty of that, of like getting higher education because that's what we thought we were supposed to do. And then nothing's guaranteed after that. Like I know I came out of school, the degree I will never use and $30,000 mm-hmm. worth of debt. And I was paying that off with my photography business. I was like, oh, this yeah. is so stupid. I'm never going to use loan this. That is like a yeah. whole nother ball game that has definitely impacted both my wife and I in terms of, of what we hoped to get out of our graduate degree. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, I ended up working in the museum field for over a decade because I was like hoping, was like, what can I do to get there? I really hope I can get to where I want to be. And I just ended up getting stuck. In, in a job that was like adjacent to what I wanted to do. I yeah. knew the people who did what I wanted to do, but I couldn't see a path forward to get there. And I didn't feel that maybe there was enough people that believed in me as like a potential to do that job someday that I just I felt like... I didn't know any of this about you. This is amazing. Yeah, layers. Layers and layers. I know, right? We, we all have a story. <laughs> yeah. So in the meantime, I... I'd always had a passion for photography, but as I said earlier, I didn't really know that you could do it as a job. Mm-hmm. I didn't know people who were photographers. So I figured I got a chance to photograph my brother-in-law's wedding for free because they knew I liked photography. And they were like, we don't have a budget. We don't have a photographer. You want to take pictures? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to take Perfect. pictures at yeah. your wedding. <laughs> my I cup of tea. This. Yeah. yeah. And I fell in love with it. And, and all of a sudden it was like, well, maybe I could figure out how to make this a career because this is something I really, really enjoyed. Maybe I could run a business. I don't know. Maybe I could do that. Um, and I just kind of dove right in and I, was, and I just said, let's give it a try. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to check out all the books from the library. I'm going to teach myself about business. I'm going to teach myself about photography and maybe I can make it happen. Did you start your business in DC then? I started, I photographed my first wedding while we were living in upstate New York, um, which was a short stint we did before we moved to Colorado. I officially like registered with the state, became, got like all the legal stuff taken care of when we moved to Colorado. Yeah. And that was in 2012. So we're both celebrating, we're both celebrating our 10 years this year. Oh, yay. Yay. High five. (laughs) I feel like we should do something big to, that's a big milestone in business for sure. 
I've been trying to figure out what I can do at every wedding this year. Like, I think I'm just going to bring like that confetti in a can. And at the end of every wedding, I'm just going to blast it on the dance floor and like, let it stick to all the sweaty people. That's probably, oh, that cool. sounds fun. Or glitter bombs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 10 that years. Really fun. Yeah. 10 years. Um, so while I was working in museums, I was doing photography too. I was building a business, trying to grow that side of things. But early on, obviously I was not making enough with photography to feel like I could ever give up my full-time job. Yeah. Um, and then about four years ago, I just, I hit a point where I was, where I was feeling stuck in the museum field and didn't see a direction there. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of a, I think this is the time that I need to start pursuing photography full-time and see if that is doable. And I think we are very, I'm a very pragmatic and logical person and the lack of income was very scary. So I gave myself a year deadline. Like I'm going to try this for a year, go all in for a year. And if after a year, just like financially, it is not working, then I can always go look for another part-time job. Maybe something that's not as, as demanding on my time as working full-time, but to bring in some sort of income along with photography. And then a year passed and I was still doing photography and still feeling good about it. And then the pandemic hit and that was a whole nother thing. Yeah. Um, But it was four years ago that I went full-time photography and I'm very proud to say that I'm feel very successful and like thriving in what I'm doing now. And the thought of having to go get another job, like doesn't cross my mind. That's amazing, Jenny. And you right out of the gate, you were pretty clear on who your niche market was. Can you, can you talk about that? The clients that you wanted to serve because your clients, I feel like they're reflective of your story and what you and your wife went through as a couple and when you got married. So I want to hear about that. I, w- I want to hear about how you how you started speaking to your dream clients that you love working with, your dream couples. Yeah, I, I definitely have a passion for working with LGBTQ couples. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that is my own experience, my own lived experience. And my wife and I planned a wedding. Um, We actually planned a wedding before marriage equality was legal across the country. So there were only certain states that we were able to get married in. When did y'all get married? We got married in 2010. Okay. Um, We got married in Washington, D.C. at the courthouse because it was legal in D.C. And then we took the train to Virginia where we were living and it was no longer legal. And that was a really strange feeling. That's insane. Oh my gosh. Yeah. At the time it was only recognized in the States that recognized uh, marriage equality, which was a handful, I don't know, five or six States, mostly in New England and then DC passed while we were living there. So yeah, it was definitely like an interesting time to be navigating, like, where can we feel safe? Where can we feel accepted in our photography or not just, sorry, but in our wedding planning we were planning to get married in California because California was legal. And then California passed a law that said it was no longer legal. It was, I don't know if you remember this back in 2009, 2008, 2009. It was the year that Obama got elected. So people were like very excited about that. And then California also passed Proposition 8, which made marriage equality not legal Mm -hmm. in their state. So it was kind of a like, well, now what do we do? That was what we were planning to do. We liked California and we didn't really know like, where do we fall into this? So we ended up doing a destination wedding in California, but we did the legal part in DC so we could have both experiences. But anyway, I, I really felt like I could serve people in the LGBT community, particularly people planning a wedding because I had a lot of firsthand experience of, of navigating that as a queer person and, and not knowing where you're going to find acceptance and where you're going to find stairs or roadblocks or people not willing to work with you because, because of who you love. Mm-hmm. And so I really felt like John, that that was a community I wanted to serve. It took me a while to really embrace that though. I think um, I was a little scared to dive really into niching down so early in my business. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I think it's been a huge, a huge piece of your success and not because of who you're serving, but because of how sincere you are about it. And because it it, it has been a lived experience for you and you went through it during a really challenging time. I mean, like there's no doubt that the last few years have been major shifts and major growth in Mm -hmm. our, in our um, world. However, 12 years ago, that was not the case. You were in a very, very difficult position. And so I think that's 
one of the reasons your business has, I mean, your work speaks for itself. It's absolutely gorgeous. And you're one of the sweetest people ever. So that's a huge part of it too, (laughs) but you are so genuine in owning your story and owning what you have been through to build that experience for your couples. Thank you. And I I will say it was not easy to get there. I think that Mm -hmm. was definitely a growing pain I had within business. I remember when I was very early on in my business, I was meeting with like a, a logo designer trying to come up with my my business name and like how I wanted to present it. And she asked me like, where do you want to see yourself in 10 years? And I immediately said like, I would love to be the the go-to person for LGBT couples who are looking for photographers. I just, I want to be that, that person that they just see me and like flock to me and will hire me and like yeah. I'm super successful <laughs> within the community. And then almost immediately, I remember thinking, well, like I came up with all these excuses as to why I couldn't do it. I was too new in the business. I didn't have enough connections. I didn't know how to market myself. I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, marriage equality was passing in more and more states. There were other people who were already trying to meet this market. Like, who was I? Other people were doing it. I'd like missed my opportunity. The stupid Which, trolls. Yes. The, the, the itty bitty shitty committee showing up and telling us what we can't do. <laughs> so much so. And in hindsight, like, that was a stupid thing to say because I wouldn't have been behind the curve. I would have been like right on, on top of the wave as it was like crashing into the shores. But I was, I was too afraid at the time to really like embrace that part of myself, to be that, that public about what I was passionate about. I'm an introvert. So like sharing things about myself with the public has never been very comfortable. And I think I got stuck in that very early on especially whenever it's tied to your business and your livelihood and you hope people receive it, not just because, and I I think business has changed so much in the last 10 years, but that's why niching down is so scary because you are literally putting your heart on your sleeve and saying, this is who I serve because this is what I've been through. And Mm -hmm. so when it's tied to your livelihood and income, you just, you just hope and pray that people are going to receive it. Not just like, not just from a livelihood standpoint, but because it, it is you and it is your story. Yeah. And to know that people are either going to like you or hate you for it. Maybe hate's a strong word, but you're either going to connect with people or you're not. And when you're trying to build a business in the early stages, you want to connect with everybody because you want everybody right. to hire you so you can make a profit. And so being, being comfortable in a place and saying, it's okay if not everybody hires me, I think it's something that every business owner has to learn or right. you're going to end up burning out on things that you don't care about. And then, and then where are you? Right. So I do want to hear more about burnout because you're, you're hitting the nail on the head, Jenny, when you say that, like, you can't and shouldn't serve everyone, but as a business owner, you feel like you have to, especially for somebody like photographers where we have very seasonal work and Mm -hmm. September and October hit and we're like, we're never shooting again. (laughs) And then, and then January comes and we're like, take everything. And so I want to hear about what it would have looked like if you hadn't niched down. Like if you, like, we all know that we can't serve everybody and we shouldn't serve everybody. But when you do hit that point in your career where you start feeling that burnout, how important it has to be that you are picky about who you work with and you are very specific about what you want to be a part of and what you're not going to be a part of. Can you, can you talk more on that? Because you, like, I know for me, defining my niche meant that I love every couple that I work with, but there were Mm -hmm. years that I was like, take it all. And it, and it just burned me out because I wasn't connected to the people that I was working with. Now that was early on in my career, but I just want to hear more about like what burnout looks like for you, especially as, as a parent and a partner and having, you know, having a family life that you're trying to balance. Yeah. I think it's kind of a a double-edged sword and you want to be more successful. So you say yes to more things and then you overbook yourself and then you're working super hard. And then your family's like, we haven't seen you really in a week. And we're basically passing each other in the night and waving to each other as we go by. And where's the, where's the quality time for us? I think for me, 2021 was a really critical year for less, for like a lesson, for learning lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my most successful year in business. And going into it, coming off of the pandemic where I didn't work for six months of 2020. And I had no idea what 
post-pandemic was really going to look like or when that was going to be a thing. Um, so I took on everything that I could essentially in 2021. And coming off of like all that quality time in 2020, where I was home for so many weekends in the summer, and we did things at home, and we got creative as a family, and we had water fights in the backyard and went to every park because it was all outside and just like so much quality time that I really, really enjoyed that I hadn't really had a chance to experience yet. And then going into 2021, where that was just like, completely the opposite, completely gone, that experience was really hard on my family and getting, we hit the end of September and my wife and I had a really hard conversation of like, this is not sustainable. This is not (laughs) what we wanted. Like from not just from my perspective, but from their perspective, like when we got together, I was not a wedding photographer. The idea of me working every weekend in the summer was not like part of our future vision. So when that suddenly becomes a reality and that's not really what we had planned on, like, that's hard on a partner to, to kind of have to rewrap their head around what life looks like, which is not always what they thought it was going to look like. Well, I think too, you know, whenever, whenever the, like, we all start our business for that freedom, right? Like freedom in mm-hmm. our schedule, freedom from finances of like, we make what we want, we work harder, we make more. And at some point when you when, when you are a successful creative entrepreneur, it flips on you and mm-hmm. your business starts running your life and you kind of forget like the whole reason I got into this was to spend more time with my family, was to be more present, was to make my own schedule, take vacation when I want. And now suddenly this business has turned into its own its, its own thing and it's running yeah. my life now. And that's that's sickening, especially whenever your partner tells you. Like, cause I know, I mean, I've had the same conversations with Mike of like, this isn't working. This is not what we signed up for when we (laughs) dove into entrepreneurship. Yeah. And it can be a hard thing to hear. Um, especially when it's like, even if you know innately, like, yes, this is not fair. This is not really how I want things to go. Like I've poured 10 years of my life into getting to this point. I've worked so hard to finally feel like I'm getting to where I thought I wanted to be in the first place. And, and it's something I love doing. Like I wasn't burnt out on the photography side of things. I was burnt out on like the scheduling side of things. Right. So it's like, I'm still loving what I'm doing. I'm still loving the couples that I'm working with, but it's not working in, in other ways now. And, and to know that it's like, it's on you and it's against, against is a strong word, but like against your passion and like how that, that fulfills you, like being right. fulfilled with your work, but not being able to fulfill the other parts of your life too. It's a hard thing to hear. It's a hard thing to process. Um, it, it led to like my wife and I saying, I think maybe we should have like therapists. Like, yeah, gonna, 2021 was the year for life. therapists. Yep. <laughs> it really was. I'd never done it before, but it was, I got a like, therapist in 2021. I was like, sign like, me yeah. up. This is not yeah. working. And it's, I can totally attest Jenny, like 2021 was a hard year. And I think, I think a lot of people, um, a lot of creatives and service-based industries, whether it was weddings or events, um, not to mention like teachers and everybody else who had, you know, medical field, like they all had their stuff, but for people in specifically the creative world for events, we kind of sensed it in 2020, like, 2021 is going to be really hard because we had Mm -hmm. this, like we we were all just waiting for this avalanche of people who had to cancel in 2020, right? just moved into 2021. But there were still people like in 2021 getting married and and engaged and having babies and wanting, wanting their lives documented. And, and I think a lot of us, myself, definitely included moved into that scarcity mindset of like, what if this happens again? Like what we Mm -hmm. we don't know, like let's book everything. Like we booked everything with the anticipation that half of them would be canceled. And then none of them were canceled. Um, (laughs) I I think maybe we had like two, two or three weddings get, get pushed to this year. But I think in 2020, that's what like, cause Mike and I had that conversation. He was like, 2021 is, it's going to be big and it's going to be really hard. And I'm sure that you you heard this story because we've talked a lot about burnout in our lives, like just on social media. I went blind last April, exactly a year ago um, mm-hmm. in my right eye because of the stress from 2021. And that was in April. Like I hadn't even started the season and my body was like, we're done. We are done. Mm-hmm. And it t- sometimes takes a partner and in your marriage to say, we're done. This isn't working. 
And for me, it was my body was like, we're done. We're shutting down. And this is your last chance to figure out how you're going to move forward, which now I'm grateful for it. It is scary. I was like, okay, I get it. The world doesn't need a blind photographer, but it was still like how for you personally, Jenny, when is enough enough? Because as entrepreneurs, we can, we can go all day. Like I work harder. I make more money. I do this. I can do that. Like it's this constant exchange. And even I feel like for me, I I remember when I started my business, I said, as long as I can replace the income that I'm making now, I'll be happy, which was $30,000 a year. And we hit Mm -hmm. that our second year in business. Then we hit the six figure mark. Then we were, and now I'm like, what's it going to take to make a million dollars? And it's like, (laughs) oh my gosh, I don't need a million. Enough is enough. So for you, when is enough enough? Because it's so hard as an entrepreneur because no one's telling you, yeah, turn it down. You don't need that. You don't need that stress. You you don't need, when is enough enough for you? Yeah. And I think part of it for me that makes it hard is I'm, I'm very driven. I like working. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very happy to pour myself into the things that excite me. So for me, I feel like enough enough is enough is when I get to a point where it's suffering, my relationships are suffering, whether that's time with my kids, whether that's my relationship with my wife, um, with friends, when I want to plan a family vacation, but all of a sudden I have, okay, I have these four days that I could go do something. Yeah. And other than that, if that doesn't work for your schedule, then... I don't have any other options to get. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's, it comes down to like the scheduling side of things when I feel like there's not enough flexibility or room in the schedule to do the things, the other things in life that I want to do or that I want to be there for, then it starts to feel like I need to make some changes. Uh, I need to raise my prices. I need to start saying no to things. I need to block my calendar better to make sure that I can have enough of me left for all of these other parts of my life that are right. important. My, my therapist, um, I told her that I was turning down weddings and I said, but I feel so guilty because I, I'm not doing anything on this date. I can shoot it. And she said, no, you can't. How, how else are you going to refuel for your, right. for your upcoming mm-hmm. weddings? How else are you going to protect your space and your time? If you're not blocking that time off, she was like, that's your excuse. Your excuse is that you're, you, you have to recharge for the commitments that you've already made to your family, to your kids, to your mm-hmm. couples that are coming up, you know, that following weekend. And once I realized that I was saying no with a purpose um, mm-hmm. and not just saying no, because I didn't know why I was like, oh, there is yeah. a purpose. I do have to recharge or I'm going to go blind again. I think too, Jenny, from what you're saying, do you Do you remember, I feel like these were cool when we were like in elementary school, it was a row of magnetic balls. And if you lifted one, the other one on the end, and they just went back and Uh forth. I feel like for like kind of what you're saying, or just a pendulum is a lot easier to think of for you 2020 and 2020, between 2020 and 2022, we're kind of like this pendulum and you got to have the side of like, it's really slow and I get family time. And then the mm-hmm. other side of the pendulum swung and it's like, I can't do like, it's, it's too much. There's too much work. And now I feel like it's just that shift to the middle of, okay, like you're not going to be happy not working. And I'm, I'm one of those moms where I'm like, mm-hmm. I have to work. Like I need to feel like this, this sense of pride, but this is too much. Like, are you, do you feel like you're in that pendulum switch or shift of like finding that middle balance? Yeah, I, I hope I am for next year for 2023. Um, I think there was a little bit of a feeling in 2021 that like this might be a blip on the radar. Yep. So like <laughs> take advantage of everything you can because what if next year's not like that? And so in 2021, I was booking for 2022 with that mindset of like this might last a year or two and then things are gonna go back to normal and I don't know where that's gonna leave me in business. So I definitely probably took on maybe a little bit more, more than I should have for this coming year. But knowing that and knowing that and getting reassurance from my wife that it's not a blip on a radar. You've worked really hard to get where you yeah. are. You have a solid brand, a solid business. It's not just going to disappear overnight Yep. Um, to kind of like internalize that and be like, okay, you're right. I can actually start to think forward instead of just like scrambling in the now of like how I can sustain. So even though there are fewer things I have control over for this coming year, I do have a lot more control over what I'm saying yes to in 2023. Yeah. And that is definitely a shift in mindset for me. And 
something I'm really trying hard to keep focused as I'm getting inquiries for next year. And just trying to like look at each inquiry, look at my calendar, think about what I actually want my schedule to feel like next year and make decisions based on that. Do you have any way that, that you vet your couples whenever like so for, for me, like I, I feel bad just saying no. And so one of which now all of the people who inquire about their wedding will know what my process looks like. One, if they fill out the contact form and use my wedding or I'm getting married. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a red flag. I go, no, it's not. It's you and your partner's wedding. It's uh-huh. your both of your wedding. This is not my and I. That's a red flag to me. And I usually go, you know what? We're we're already booked. That's um, really interesting. That's yeah. a that's a really cool. Well, really I've cool. I've I've noticed that the people that we have not maintained contact with were people that use I and my in their first email. And I so now I'm like, red flag. And then the other one is if they don't tell me part of their story, because I specifically mm-hmm. ask them for their story in my inquiry. And yeah, I mean, it's it's not filling out a college essay, but you but you need to put some time into it. But for people who go, what are your prices? I'm like, we're, we're already booked. Like our pricing page mm-hmm. is right next to the contact button you just pushed. And so for me, that's how I vet couples. And I go, we're, we're booked. Here's some people that that you might like, but for people who spend the time to answer and share their story and put heart into it, I'm like, oh yeah, we're free. Let's jump on a call. Do you have like a vetting process that you use to make it easier to say no? You know, that, that is interesting. Um, I, I feel fortunate in that I feel like my branding is pretty on point. Mm-hmm. So I, a lot of the people that reach out to me are actually people that I think really value the things that I'm putting forward in my business and would probably be a good fit because they see something in that that they like. So for me, it's more of a problem of like, oh, I like all of you. And I, I like everybody. Time you've done too good. All of you. <laughs> you've, done, you've done way too good. You you have such a great brand and beautiful website. So go, kudos to you for like, that's your first and best employee is is your website. Thank you. So I feel like for me, maybe it's more of like a logistical threshold. Yeah. Um, where I can look at what I have if I have something booked at on a Saturday in the mountains and I get an inquiry for a Friday in a different direction, then it's more like, I just don't know if I want to shoot two days in a row, five hours away apart from each other. Exactly. Yeah. Those logistics are hard. And it has nothing to do with the couple because I feel like the couple is probably amazing. And maybe they put things in their contact form that I really resonate with or that I connect mm-hmm. with. And I'm I feel like, oh, I really wish that I could make this work for you, but I just don't know that I I can, that I want to put myself in the mental space to work two days in a row in opposite directions, um, which is why I feel actually very, very fortunate that I've been able to grow a little bit of an associate program within yes, my business. I love that you're doing that. And so I have three amazing photographers who are very similar in like mindset and how they work to me that I feel 100% confident like sending to represent me and my business with other couples. And so that's a lot of times when I will utilize utilize them as an option to be like, I unfortunately, I'm not available, but this amazing person on my team is available. Here's their work. Here's what I love about them. If this sounds like something you're interested in, let's talk further. And I feel very fortunate that I have that option instead of just completely turning away people that are a good fit for my business, but being able to offer them something, even if I can't personally be there. That's amazing. I want to, Jenny, I want to go back to your, to your brand. So front and mm-hmm. center on your website, you have colorful and connected weddings for devoted and courageous couples. How did you come up with that tagline? Like what, what is it about colorful, connected, devoted, and courageous that people are so drawn to and that you connected with so much that it's a part of your brand? Yeah. So the connected piece is probably the biggest part. I work with, I do work with a lot of LGBTQ couples, but I also work with a lot of straight couples. And I think the commonality and what they're all looking for is this really connected wedding experience mm-hmm. where it's, it's a day that's about them and their relationship and how they've moved through the world together to create the life that they want. And that includes the people that have been supportive of them. Unfortunately, in the LGBTQ community, there are a lot of people who've had negative relationships impact their life. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's just a fact of of coming out, of owning who you are, of kind of moving into where you want to be as an adult. So I recognize that the people that 
should be at your wedding are the people that mean the most to you that like you couldn't imagine getting married without because they've been so instrumental in in your growth and your development and who are 100% behind you and your partner and your relationship. And so I really wanted couples who valued that kind of experience to be the ones that I worked with because I I love going to those weddings where there's just so much joy and celebration and acceptance of who these people are as a couple and what they're doing in their life and how they're going to take on the world together. And everybody there is just like, yes, we are so on board with that. Oh um, my gosh. That's beautiful, Jenny. I love yeah, it. It just, it fills you're, me you're up. You're <laughs> smiling. You're smiling as you're saying it. I it's, am. So, it's so prevalent how, how ingrained it is into who you are as a human. Uh, yeah. I, I for whatever reason, when I was doing my branding, like that is what I kept coming back to that that is the experience that I want to be a part of. And if that's what I want to photograph, I'm going to be I'm going to be at my best, I'm going to create my best work for people who also think that this is a really important part of their day. Um, So that's the connected piece. And that's where I feel like I really meet people where people see that. And they're like, I even had one couple this year, um, who said, I didn't even know that this the photographers who like understood this existed and I saw your site and I was like this is exactly the kind of wedding that we want and to know that you value that too like that means everything that's amazing oh this makes me so happy so I want to I want to dive a little deeper Jenny then and you've you've already kind of touched on it but what were some of the biggest limiting beliefs and challenges that you had to overcome as an entrepreneur in the queer community, starting out as a wedding photographer when you went to school for history and mm-hmm. museum studies? Like what What were some of the big obstacles that you had to overcome? Yeah, um, I think there's two. And um, one of them I touched on a little bit earlier about just like embracing being wanting to support the LGBTQ community. I was too afraid to do that at the beginning. But when I really started to realize that these were the kinds of weddings that I really, really enjoyed being a part of. It was like, okay, get out of that, like slap yourself, say like, this is something you really care about. It's absolutely should be part of your business. And I think just like getting myself to a place where I felt comfortable being vulnerable in my own experiences and realizing that I actually have something valuable to offer within this space, right? Um, that I have a story, that I have a background, that I have a common understanding working within the queer community that not everybody has. And it's funny because now there is so much more visibility on the community. There's tons of people I follow on Instagram who are all about bringing visibility to the community, empowering voices in the community, and you know, showcasing the queer community. I still feel like I'm a little bit like I'm behind the ball. <laughs> on it a little bit like I felt eight years ago. Um, but the difference now is I'm just more confident in knowing that what I have to say is still important and can still be impactful and can still resonate with people, even if I'm not the only voice doing it. Even if I'm not the loudest voice doing it, it still doesn't invalidate what I can bring and what I can offer to people. That's beautiful. And I'm. you can take this in what, whatever direction you want. But aside from like state and government, do you and your wife feel like you guys had support throughout this whole process? Like from of us planning our own wedding? Yeah, planning, you planning your own wedding. You guys have you guys are building your family. Like, do you feel like you had support? It's so much a part of your brand. Um, mm-hmm. And you're like, what? what is important to you for your couple. So I'm, I'm curious what that looked like. Again, you've just weaved your whole story into your business so much. So I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, it's a, it's a yes and no answer for mm-hmm. sure. We found a lot of support from most of our friends. Um, although there were a few friends um, on my wife's side that did not handle the, our relationship well. We've really struggled with our families throughout mm-hmm. our relationship history. And so that has been where the lack of support has mostly come from. Our community, the people we surround us with, we feel very validated and accepted and, and loved for who we are. But definitely like the family dynamics has been a very challenging. Things are better, are better in a lot of ways now than they were you know, 16 years ago when we first got together. But that that leaves a lot of 
traumatic residues in your life when you're dealing with that. So I certainly know that like that experience is something that I'm very aware of and how it might also be an experience that other people I talk to are dealing with too. So what would you say to an entrepreneur who is in your shoes, who doesn't have the support, who wants to own who they are? And I actually just had a student graduate from my course who very like finally grasped what she can offer to her clients as a photographer. Mm -hmm. And she is now like, she came out through her business. She rebranded her business to be LGBTQ plus. Like Mm -hmm. that is who she's working with. What would you say to an entrepreneur, photography or otherwise, who wants so badly to own their story, but they're, Mm -hmm. but they don't have the support that you would hope or that you are experiencing from that or that that you experienced from your community and not so much your family, Mm -hmm. what would you say to them? Yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough one. And um, all too real for a lot of people, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. I think it's, I mean, the biggest message is just like knowing that you are enough in whatever your story is and what you can bring to the table is enough for anybody. It should be enough for other people, but more importantly, it's, it's enough for yourself. It's easier said than done. I think, you know, in in a place where you're so unsure and not feeling confident and comfortable in it, it's hard to tell yourself, I am enough. But the more you say it, the more you're going to start to believe it. It's a little bit of a fake it till you make it kind of, (laughs) kind of mindsets, knowing that you have within you like the power and the resiliency and the experiences that can really build you up as you move forward in your life, even if they're challenging in the moment. Yeah, I it's it's funny that you say fake it till you make it because I know I did that for a good chunk of the first few years of my photography business. And we just had our um, retreat for my launch to livelihood students, we just had our retreat and my dear friend, Heather Barron, who is a life coach did a presentation and a and, and a workshop with us. And she taught us how to fake it till you become it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just love that shift in words because you fake it till you make it, but faking it till you become it, like you start to own this piece of you, whatever it, it is that you have to accept, it makes it just felt so empowering to hear her say that you fake it till you become it and you take yeah. up space and you, you do whatever you have to do until you start believing it. Yeah. That's a really, a really great shift in, in verbiage. I like that a lot. And and I think it's it's finding joy in in that in that like becoming part of it, finding the things that bring you joy about that are core to who you are. And when you feel happy, it's so much easier to want to put yourself out there. Right. So Jenny, we've we've talked about burnout. We've talked about family. We've talked about what it feels like to constantly be wondering if this year was a fluke. Cause I know we mm-hmm. go, like, I've, I've gone through that almost every year and I've been doing this full time for 10 years. And every year I'm like, oh, what if it, what if people see that I'm not, I'm not good? Like, yeah. what if they see who I really am? What would you say are your pillars for success? Like, what, how do you define success? I don't wanna plant any seeds, but like, I have all these ideas, but I just mm-hmm. wanna hear for you, what does success look like? Oh gosh, that's a loaded that's a nuanced question. question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and there's definitely like different ways you can feel successful. Um which which I, you've al- already brought up family. Family time. Yeah. I mean, that is so so important. Yeah. I mean, I think financial has to be a piece of it. Um mm-hmm. because if you can't, you know, live the life that you want to live while running your business, it's a little bit of like, well, what? what are you doing? Yeah, what are you spending all this point? time and energy on if you're not actually financially able to contribute to your family? So for sure, for me, it was like getting my business to a point where the income I was bringing in felt proportional to the work that I was putting in. And for a lot of years, it wasn't. A lot of years, my profit went back into my business and mm-hmm. I was still working full-time. So it was like, okay, that that was the case. But when I switched to full-time photography, all of a sudden it was like, no, I have to bring in at least to replace my income, like you said earlier, replace my full-time income as like a baseline of what needs to happen. Yeah. So I think as I, as I have grown, being able to know that I'm contributing more each year to our overall finances feels good, feels successful. I think the long-term goals would be to have more time to travel. 
because travel is something that I really enjoy doing. I want to do more of it with my family. Right now, we try to do it when I book a wedding like three or four hours away. We're like, let's all take a long weekend and like do this together. Yeah. Having more of an opportunity to do more of it throughout the year would feel successful to me to know that I can be in a place that I can take the time off for one and that I can afford to do it for the other, that we could travel more together as a family. I love that. Those, that's, that's such a great, like, there's just nothing better than being at a point where you can and do prioritize family above all. And I, I, I know 2020 was the first year that I had, like, it's so easy to say like, yeah, family comes first, but 2020 mm-hmm. for me was the first year we actually had to execute on that. And I remember calling our first ever bride and telling her that we weren't going to be at her wedding because it was in South Carolina. And I, I kid you not, it was like two days before everything shut down. Like the world mm-hmm. just came to a halt. And our son was seven weeks old or eight weeks old. And then our other son was two. And Mike was like, you have to call her and tell her family mm-hmm. comes first. We're not subjecting our kids. And I was like, what if it's a fluke? What if it's the media? You know, it was right before yeah. we really knew what was going on, but things were just yeah. starting to get scary. And it's so hard to live that out or like turning down income for to, to be with your family and to go, I, I say family comes first. And now I actually have to, I have to live it out. I have to like, I don't want to be a cats in the cradle parent in my eighties, like wondering what happened and why I didn't yeah. make time then. Like, Oh, every time I listen to that song, I'm like, I'm just going to stop everything. Yeah. But yeah, that's so beautiful. I want to hear, um, Jenny, so you're working, when did you start the LGBTQ I do? I want to hear about this, this community that you're building and what sparked it. Like, I mean, there's obvious, like from, from your story, what sparked it, but at what point were you like, I I have to do this thing, the LGBTQ I I do community? Yeah. So I actually am not the original founder of it. I kind of got lucky in that I was able to take it on. The basis of it has been around for like 10 years. It was founded by a wedding planner in Denver who was part of the gay community. He ran it for a long time. Then it was taken over by another planner who was part of the community. Uh, and then she just was not able to sustain it in the way that she was hoping for. She had mm-hmm. other businesses. She was really just kind of stretched too thin. And so was looking for someone who was willing to take it on. Um, and we have a good relationship. And she, she asked me, she approached me and asked me if it would be something that I'd be interested in running. And I, I thought about it. And I was like, Yeah, I think, I think this is an awesome opportunity. I was very excited when she had taken it over a couple of years before. And then I know she'd gotten busy and just things hadn't kind of like kept rolling with it. And so I was like, Yeah, I, I think I would like to, to jump into that. I think it's, I think it's something important to provide for couples in Colorado. Um, being able to have a place where they can search for wedding vendors and know that there's at least like a a bit of a, a screening process, a layer in there where they can feel a little more comfortable approaching these vendors, knowing that they are going to be supportive of them in yeah. their relationship. So tell us about what LGBTQ I do is and what that process looks like, what that vetting process looks like. Yeah. So it's an online directory. It's Colorado specific at this point. Um where wedding vendors can sign up to be a part of it in all the different categories that you might find on any other sort of national directory, like equally wed or the not, something like that, where, you know, people sign up for it, vendors sign up for it. But I send everybody a questionnaire. I want to know, I want to look at all of their sites. I want to look at their website and their social media. Um, It's really important to me that there's queer representation Mm -hmm. on people's sites. So photos of LGBTQ couples, engagements or weddings, some vendors I know, like if you're a hair and makeup artist, maybe you don't have photos of anything besides your work, which are like single people. So how do you know? So in like cases like that, I encourage people to put statements on their website that's very explicit of like, Mm -hmm. this, these are our beliefs as a business. This is who we support. So that's part of it. Um, I'm looking for things like super gendered language. Like mm-hmm. if a vendor uses bride and groom all over their site, that's something I'd want to work with them to right. update to make sure that they're keeping things as neutral as possible. And that that language extends to their contracts. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it really is just the visibility and the the very explicit like acceptance of right. 
of a couple. I have this this quote, and I cannot remember who said who says it. I'll try to look it up and send it to you afterwards. Um, but it says, if you're not actively including, you're actively excluding. Ooh, I love that. That's powerful. Love. Yeah. So it's not enough to just like believe that you're accepting, but if you're not showing it in any way on your sites, then nobody is going to know and nobody's going right. to believe it. So visibility is, is a huge part of that. And then the other thing that I really love um, is I want to highlight other queer business owners. So, you know, I'm never going to pressure anybody to come out in their business. That's a very personal decision. But right. for vendors who are comfortable being out, um, they get a little badge on their portfolio site or their, their profile site that says they're LGBTQ owned. Oh, that's um, awesome. They're larger and have LGBTQ employees. I want to highlight that as well. I think a lot of couples just, there's like an automatic comfort in knowing that somebody that they might be working with is also part of the community and has that shared understanding to some extent. And, and I want to support other queer business owners. There's actually not as many as I wish there were. So anytime I can highlight them, I want to do that. That's awesome. So how, how would somebody join LGBTQ I do? Um, they can check it out on the website. It's lgbtqido.com. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a a little like contact form submission that they could submit that lets me know their category, um, a little bit about their business. And then um, I send them an application that allows me to gather all of their bigger information. So I can do a little bit of that kind of the sleuthing and vetting process. Awesome. Awesome, Jenny. I want to know, I, we're probably going to be wrapping up here soon, but I, mm-hmm. I have a few more questions. Um, what is one of your quirkiest habits? I love finding this out about, entre- <laughs> about like, you know, fellow entrepreneurs. Like what is just one of your quirkiest habits? Yeah. I actually asked my wife this recently because <laughs> I'm probably feel- like way quirkier than I, than I think I am. <laughs> Well, and our partners are probably like, loaded it in the chamber. Here's right. everything you do that annoys me. Right. And the, the funniest thing that we came up with is that I have this really big fear about being late to a wedding. And especially in Colorado, when you, you travel on I-70 a lot, you travel in the mountains, there's so much unpredictability to what traffic conditions are going to be like yep. that it's really like there's a bit of this anxiety around, am I going to get to my wedding on time? So I always like the night before I sit down and I think about my timeline and like, this is what time I want I have to start shooting. So this is what time I want to be at the venue and I have to account for traffic. So let's add in this amount of time and then, well, maybe that's not quite enough time. So let's add another 30 minutes add an until hour. I'm yeah. leaving. Like, I'm probably Six leaving hours. an hour or two yeah. hours earlier than I actually have to leave to still get there with extra cushion time. And so my wife is always like, you should just leave now. It's 6 p.m. Just leave now. You'll be fine for tomorrow. Yeah, Mike Mike does the same thing. He's like, just leave. Go get some lunch. Go sit by the river for a couple hours. Just just get there. But but it is hard. Yeah. I mean, whenever you live in Colorado, you never know what you're going to get on I-70, on 285 with the weather. Mm-hmm. With like all of July, we have um, July and end of June, we get afternoon thunderstorms. And like nobody, I, I know you can attest to this because you're from the east as I am. No one in Colorado knows how to drive when it's freaking raining. If it's snowing, yeah. people are fine. If it rains, they're like, oh, what do I do? Like, I hate driving in the rain in Colorado because people just yeah. stop. Oh, that's so funny. Do you do you have nightmares about weddings? Like, I have nightmares about showing up naked to a wedding, <laughs> showing up and forgetting my camera, sleeping through a wedding, or showing up late. Like, I have nightmares yeah. about that oh, all yes. the time. <laughs> I certainly do. Mine always involve, I have my equipment, but I cannot get the shutter to focus yeah. and then I can't get it to take the picture. So like I'm as, like, it's a constant as, battle. Yeah. I'm as in the wedding. Coming down the I'm aisle. shooting. Yes. All those important mm-hmm. moments. And it's I'm pushing always, the shutter yeah. or pushing the focus button and it's not focusing. And if the camera's not in focus, it doesn't take picture. Oh my so gosh. it's like hours of like, oh, all of a sudden we're in the reception and I've taken 10 pictures the whole day because my camera won't focus. Yes. So yeah. Have, that's, have, that happens a lot. Have, have you been pregnant before? I have not. Uh, my wife delivered our oldest and then we've adopted. Okay. I was curious how your dynamic looked. When I was pregnant, Mike hated working with me because that pregnancy brain, I don't know if you experienced it with your wife, is so obnoxious when you're a wedding photographer, when you're a business owner, but Mm -hmm. especially like going to weddings. We got to one wedding and I forget how pregnant I was with Dawson, but I, I looked at Mike and I went, we have no SD cards. And he was like, 
what and thankfully we were in denver we weren't like out in the mountains and i was like uh-huh. i forgot all the sd cards oh my god and so for the first like you know 10 minutes of the wedding i was faking take i think i found one that was super slow super old and had like our family vacation photos on it so i was like really i mean it like it was nice because i was really selective it was like using a roll of film but uh-huh. mike mike ran to like best buy and bought sd cards and oh my gosh i was like this is one of my nightmares coming to fruition but it's because of my pregnancy he hated working with me during the pregnancies <laughs> i was scary too, yeah my head was not attached to my body <laughs> yeah i feel like the nightmares are always where we're gonna screw up and not deliver on what we've promised yes in whatever way that takes shape in your brain yeah that's like a commonality <laughs> in, in all wedding nightmares oh my gosh that's so funny um Jenny, I love ending our time together with asking this one question because it just humanizes us as as, mm-hmm. as creatives and entrepreneurs. Um, but when was the last time that you did not feel like enough? That's a very good question. Yesterday? Probably. Oh my God. <laughs> 20 minutes um, ago. From a from a personal standpoint, I just I, as I said, like last year was really hard on my family and us. And so it's just like not feeling enough like enough that I'm I'm just not doing what my family needs. I'm not running my business the way that my family needs me to. Mm-hmm. And we've had a, like, I've had a face a lot of hard things in therapy over the last week. So I feel like over the last week, that's definitely hit me really hard. Mm-hmm. As far as my business goes, it used to be like every time somebody didn't book me, I was just like, I'm not good enough. Oh. I, I didn't connect well enough to a client. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand why they're not booking me. Thankfully, that gets better the more experience you get and the more you really like start to hone in on you know, finding the right people. And like, if they're your people, they'll hire you. They don't hire you and they're not your people. Mm -hmm. Um, That mindset helps a lot. But yeah, I'm I'm sure weekly, I probably feel in some way that I'm not, not enough for something. Yeah. Oh, that's so hard. And like, like you just said, um, I know for us, it was 2019, February, 2019. And one day, Jenny, I got three rejections from three different couples who all said, we're going in a different direction. And Uh I laid, it was so pathetic. I was like seven years full time at this point, laid in bed and cried. I just needed a Mm -hmm. good cry. Little did I know that the following year was going to be freaking 2020 pandemic. And I heard from some friends that either booked that couple or was their planner or the venue owner. They were like, you dodged a freaking bullet with these guys. Oh, gosh. Oh, the universe was looking out for me. And like, I mean, I wallowed in self-pity. I had my mm-hmm. moment. I didn't understand. I connected, you know, I did everything right. And they, three of them in one freaking day. That's hard. Said, oh my gosh, it was so bad. Yeah. And then, yeah. But like looking back, I was like, thank God. Like, I can't even imagine what go, like, luckily for us with the pandemic, all of our couples were amazing. They mm-hmm. were, they understood, they paid in advance. We only had one couple that had to cancel and they ended up canceling their whole wedding, like everything. We got like every couple that we ended up working with that year was amazing and rolling into 2021, all amazing. But it's so hard because when you're in it, and you get into that place of like, I'm not worth it. I'm not worthy. Why? Of course they went with somebody else. Um, It's a hard space to recover from. I've definitely had those rejections where you don't expect to cry. And then all of a sudden they're just like leaking down your face. I think I take it particularly hard when it's an LGBT couple who doesn't book. Yeah. Because I'm like, why wouldn't she book me? Like, I understand. I get you. (laughs) I get it. But, and so I've definitely had moments with that, but you know, you just, as you said, you try to find the silver lining somewhere and, you know, move on. And the next couple of the books that inquires for that date might be 10 times better for you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know we've experienced that. My students that I have that just finished um, the Launch the Livelihood course, I, I had one of them message and say that she didn't book a couple that she thought she was going to. And I was like, and it's okay. And mm-hmm. you have to tell yourself that one, you either dodged a bullet or two, something better is on its way. And 99% of the time, something and someone who fits you and what you need right now is, is, is on its way to you. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, Jenny, where can people find you? Where do you want people to seek you out? If they want more information on the LGBTQ, I do, if they want to work with you as a photographer, how do they find you? Sure. Uh, So my website is jennycrate.com. My name is spelled with an I E. Yes. So J-E-N-N-I-E-C-R-A-T-E.com. And then LGBTQ I do is very simple. LGBTQIDO.com. 
try to awesome. keep it simple. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. Um, Jenny, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. I have just, I've, I love that we started our businesses at the same time. I had no mm-hmm. idea you were working museums while you were shooting. Um, you like covered that up so, <laughs> so in such a fun way. Faking it till you make it. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but I just so appreciate you um, sharing your story and your vulnerability here today. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's been very fun to to chat and to, to get to see your face and to spend yeah. an hour catching up with you. I love it. Well, thank you so much. And you guys take care and have a wonderful, wonderful day.